2: Welcome back to another edition of the internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are here to talk about a very exciting performance by Tottenham Hotspur. But before we get to that, I'm going to remind all of our listeners to follow us on Twitter at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And also leave us a five-star review on iTunes and or Spotify. And, yeah, without further ado, we're going to get right into it. Joining me this week it's our regular two co-hosts leading us off, coming to us from the slopes of South Florida. It is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how's it going?
0: Uh, it's going pretty good. Um, the inevitable disappointment of a lost arsenal hasn't yet happened, so I'm great as of today. <laughs>
2: And uh, someone who I think is going to feel a loss against Arsenal more keenly than most Spurs fans, it is Ben Daniels. Ben, are, 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 have you have you signed a prenup yet?
1: I'm not worried about losing to Arsenal. I'm worried about beating Arsenal and it not mattering. Like, that's just way worse the scenario.
2: Yeah, I don't know if your wife's a big enough Arsenal fan to rub that in in the way that, say, you would rub that in if, if the she was on the other foot. <coughs>
1: I mean, the thing is, is like because she's not enough of an Arsenal fan, I don't get the joy of really rubbing it in, you know. Like, I can't, I can't hurt her the same way she can hurt me. But you're right. The flip side of that is she's not equipped to hurt me like I would deserve to be hurt in the event that the bad thing happens. (laughs) So you know, I'll take it.
2: A lot of subconscious uh, Spurs fan tendencies coming out, and just a few short seconds of Ben talking there. But before we get to uh, our neuroses leading into the Arsenal match, I think we would be remiss if we did not spend a lot of time on our very exciting 1-1 draw against Liverpool. Um, I I watched this game with uh, podcast trader Michael Cayley uh, and our friend Joel and our friend Vince. And it was... I, I thought this was one of our better performances under Conte. I was really impressed with what we did in this game. And frankly, I think we were pretty hard done by uh, to not come away with all three points in this. Uh, I mean, I, I understand that Liverpool created more chances than we did, but you know, I don't think the quality of those chances is really up to snuff. And the fact of the matter is, that the one they actually scored a goal on was complete horseshit. Uh, but we looked really good, and this was—I know this was a real counter-attacking performance—and certain um, muppet-looking Germans had problems with it, but this didn't feel even at times we were under the cosh, cu- even with all the times we were under the cosh like, it didn't feel like the kind of rear guard action that we sometimes see against the team like City or Liverpool, and given the fact that you know, I mean, counter-attacking is what it is, but I think we basically played the best team in the world, even, I think we should all feel really good about this
1: Yeah, yeah I, think- I agree <laughs> There's a There's a fine line with like playing, you know, with 10 men behind the ball and stealing a result and setting out with a tactical plan to play 10 men behind the ball and (laughs) steal a result. But it definitely felt more like the latter than the former. You know, it wasn't like a happy accident that we were able to get that go ahead goal. Like we were very comfortable in defense and very dangerous when we did threaten. And it all fell to like of a piece, and that not
2: just that Spurs goal was really well constructed. I mean, everything about that goal was great. I mean, like Sessignon laying it off, Kane's pass to Sessignon, I mean,
0: we created really, <laughs> Emerson's pass to Kane. Yeah,
2: I mean, Emerson had a great game. I mean, Spurs played incredibly well. They, they executed their game plan great, and if just like the ball took a different bounce off of Bentancourt's foot. You know, who knows what we'd be talking about here. I, I mean, it was it was really good. And I gotta say, I mean, I, I don't want to get too bogged down in this, so I just want to get it out of the way here. Like, this is part of why Conte bitching about, you know, maybe leaving Spurs always gets under my skin. Like, look what he's turned this team into, you know, in a short amount of time with limited transfers. Like, we looked, you know, I think we were legitimately hard done by to not take all three points against... I don't think I'm being crazy when I say, if Liverpool aren't the best team in the world, they're the second best team in the world. And I think we played them more than even, even if we can't go toe-to-toe with them in the way that City does. And, you know, like, not only were we unfortunate to concede the way we did, I think we were a little unfortunate not to score another goal. Uh, we looked great. I mean, it was it was a really well-executed tactical play. Our defense was incredible. Our attacks were incredibly dangerous. It was... I, I was incredibly sad I mean, I'm saying incredible I was very satisfied with his
0: performance, Brian Well I think what Ben said about there being a very clear plan in how we set up for this was the part that I enjoyed the most about it like even if you just weren't paying attention to like tactics or or you know just just the way that the ball moved from our goal to our attacking third, was consistently the same it was the back five spread across the field kind of at the top of the 18 yard box drew Liverpool's pressure forward and then Kulisevsky and Kane kind of dropped into the spaces where the fullbacks would nominally you know should be if they weren't pressed high and wide and it allowed Kulisevsky especially um in the space that Robertson should have been occupying to like really have a lot of joy in terms of being able to start counterattacks and and we worked that same move where we passed it across the back line and then got it forward to Kulisewski time and time again and he was really a much more successful outlet for our play than Kane was um, which was an interesting change because it seemed like they were kind of set up to counter Kane again in the same way that some of the teams we've seen in, in the last few weeks have been and we still made it work, we still had really good attacking opportunities, and it was it was just so cool to watch, where you, where you could see on the field that the manager had been like, alright guys, this is how we do it, this is where the space is going to be, and it just worked time and time again.
2: Brian, I think you raised a good point, and I think that's one of the things that made this performance so satisfying, because I think in recent weeks we have seen teams have some success at frustrating Kane, and thus, sort of really messing up a lot of our attack. And I think Liverpool had a lot of success in frustrating Kane on um, Saturday. I don't remember what day the game was on. On Saturday. Uh, and even that didn't really stop us from being incredibly effective. I mean, obviously if Kane had more free rate. And I think we had a lot of like passes that just got cut out at the last second. Um, But, I mean, we still did a great job. And, I mean, that's with Fabinho in the middle of the pitch, just fouling the daylights out of our players. I mean, you know, including trying to like take Son's head off with his elbow. But, you know, that wasn't, it, it, even even with that, it was, this isn't Aston Villa. They weren't manhandling us in that way. I think this was a fairly even game both ways in terms of physicality. But just that we were able to put this together, I mean, we look so good in this game. And I think that's one of the things that's been a little frustrating about Spurs this calendar year is. You look at that team. You look at how we played. I understand this isn't how it works, and I'm being very simplistic here. But you look at how well we played against a team like Liverpool, and then you're like, "How are we dropping points to Southampton and Brighton?" You know, it's like we are capable of playing at such a high level. And I understand that Liverpool plays in your hands a little bit, by giving us opportunities to do certain things if you're well, if you're disciplined enough. And a game against Brighton is a whole different animal from a game against Burn or a game against Liverpool. But it's just like God when we're on our, when we're good we're real
1: good. Yeah, and I think you know last week you asked like what what makes Kuliszewski so good or so valuable to Spurs and I think you know Brian kind of hit the nail on the head is as much as anything he makes us so much harder to defend by making our attack more dynamic because you can't just mark Harry Kane out of the game and just totally shut off our ability to play balls in the final third and in behind the defense. You now have Kulishevsky, who's also capable of doing that. And you know, when you're worried about like that that ball out for from Emerson for the goal, Kane and Kulishevsky are like kind of near each other. And like Liverpool's defense has to be mindful of what Kulishevsky might do if he gets on the ball that gives Kane the space to drive forward and make that pass to Sesanyan in the first place. You know, like Kane didn't get to do a lot, but Kulishevsky's existence allowed him the opportunity. To, to create that goal the way he did. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think we just looked very, very competent. And we've talked a lot um, in recent weeks about, you know, the kind of the weak links in this team, specifically midfield and most significantly the wingbacks. And the wingbacks against Liverpool both had probably their best games in Spurs shirts. Emerson Royale one man of the match probably rightfully so. He was defensively on lockdown. He was a good outlet. He progressed the ball pretty well. Um, You know, Sessegnon obviously got the assist for the goal, but, like, he kept Salah and Trent quiet all day. Like, everybody on the team just showed up and had a good game.
2: Emerson got to play like a fullback. I mean, you know, it's something I feel like I've been saying all year. It's like he's not a wingback. And, you know, like, when he's allowed to sort of play like a fullback who can – you know, and when I say fullback, it doesn't just mean he's good defensively. It means like he's good at progressing the ball, just not in the way you expect a wingback to do it. You know, sort of hangs up the pitch, does these things. Like you know, it's he's good, and, and I thought he had a really nice game. And I'm not sure he fits with us. You know, may, I mean, maybe in preseason under Conte it works out. I'm skeptical of that, but he, they were all excellent in this game, and they were well drilled, and you could just you could just see it. They weren't putting a foot wrong, except for Bentincaur, but that's probably not fair to him. Yeah, I mean,
1: go ahead, yeah,
0: I Brian. I, I was just gonna say everybody played well in this match. I don't think you could pick out somebody and say that they were the weak link performer. Um, I'm sure we're gonna talk about Hoybjerg, but um, you know, I, I don't think there was anybody that you can pull out and go they were demonstrably bad. They're the reason why we didn't get more out of this match. Like everybody was good. And it was a a team performance that was committed to, you know, the plan.
2: We played Liverpool even, I don't think, and you, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I got plenty nervous when Liverpool were getting into plenty of dangerous positions, but there weren't a lot of shots in this match that like, I was just like, Oh God, I can't believe we got away with that one. Um, you know, we played them about as even as you can, and we only lost this game because the ball bounced off someone's foot outside of the box. It's, you know, I mean, it was a really good performance. And before I forget, I just don't want to let this pass without comment. Kuliszewski was putting guys on their ass, like, all game. Really good players. He was just dribbling around and embarrassing. I mean, that kid is really, really very good. And I think that was actually one of the most interesting things about this game, which is like Spurs fans have gotten, at various points this year, very frustrated with our insistence on playing out of the back, and I think we've, I think that's sort of a piece of some of the things we've complained about with Conte, is like, well, why do you keep sticking to certain things that either aren't working or are making life harder for yourself? And I think this is a game where you can see some of that, because we insisted on playing out of the back all day, and there were times it looked a little hairy. But I think that was a big reason for our success. We weren't lumping it up the field. I mean, yes, we were seeding possession a lot. Or, you know, maybe not seeding, We were giving away possession a lot. And that was frustrating. But we weren't just lumping it up the field to give it to him. We played out of the back. We got sort of down the field and had possession, you know, more often than I think if we just had Hugo, you know, punting it past the halfway line. It was, you know, God, it was, Brian said it. It was a really good performance across the board.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to give Liverpool credit, like, they did do a very good job pressing us Mm -hmm. to try to play out of the back. And, like, we had a really hard time doing that. But you're right that, like, when we did do it and do it well and move the ball, it was very, very effective. Um, We just struggled a little bit with that pressure. And maybe, you know, again, maybe with a little bit better quality in some of those positions, we might have been able to break through those Pressure lines a little a little more comfortably, but again, given the personnel available and given the weaknesses that the squad we know has, it's really hard to fault anybody for their performance on the day.
2: I mean, it's just across the board. It's I mean everybody had a great. I mean, son, again, I think. I mean, Son is the only – I think the only, other, the only other player in the Premier League history for Spurs who scored 20 goals in a season without penalties is Bale, which is kind of incredible when you think about Harry Kane's returns for Spurs. Uh,
1: uh, I think that's a misleading stat because Kane has scored more than 20 goals. Oh, is that – okay, penalties. I was a little confused about that. Okay, that's... 20 open field goals. But, yes, the only, player, the only players in, in the Premier League who scored 20 goals, I think, um, without penalties –
2: but that's... I mean, Son... I mean, Son did such a good job. That was... Honestly, I couldn't believe. it Liverpool have been so good on defense all game. Like, when we... When we had that move... When, when Sessegnon, who I think has not been very good for Spurs lately, was able to pull Allison out of position like that. I, I couldn't believe, you know, he made that pass. It was such a good pass. It was such a good finish by Son. It's... It was... God, it was such a good performance. It was... I mean, the, the attacking was so good. It was crisp. You know, you just a few other things go right for us, and who knows. I mean, there was the Benjicor had that chance early on where um, he sort of shot straight at Allison. I think of anyone who's sort of more offensively inclined gets that ball, that, you know, they're at least making things a little more interesting. It's just, God, it was so good. And it's just, it's such a shame we weren't able to come away with all three points because we sure deserved it.
1: Yeah, there are a few moments where, like, there's the chance where Royale is, kind of bursting forward and instead of playing a ball on the ground across the face of the box where like Kane, Sun and and Cessnaon are all there, he it's kind of a shitty lofted cross that Cessnaon struggles to you know, direct back across the face of the goal and it just like bounces off Sun's leg. And then of course, I guess we'll have to talk about the Hoybjerg chance at the end that instead of shooting, he tries to head back across the the game.
2: Let's talk about that real quick. I mean, we're here. I think the problem with that, I agree. I think what should have happened there is, I mean, just put it on target. Like it's, it's like it was like the 94th minute. The fact that I think Liverpool ended up getting another opportunity to attack, but they, considering where we were in the match, they really shouldn't have. Um, I mean, it's basically the end of the game. Yeah, I'm fairly, I'm fairly forgiving when it comes to players' ability to direct headers. I think that's very hard, even the best players to do that. I think hitting Kane there, while well, if he does it, Kane is... I mean, that's a goal. If he can hit Kane, I think that's incredibly hard. And honestly, if I'm if I'm Conte at that point, I'd rather you just put it on target and, like, maybe it goes in, maybe he palms it out, and Kane can get it. It probably ends with Allison just catching it. But I feel like more positive things can happen if you just try to head it at goal as hard as you can.
1: All right, trying to hit Kane with a headed pass across a defender across allison is just as hard if not harder than putting it on frame and hoping for the best like you're six yards out you just you gotta shoot i mean it's like you know like i said if you
2: pull it off you look like a genius but he didn't and now we're all sort of ruining that chance and you know again like i said allison's a phenomenal keeper he probably saves it but you know as as Michael Scott once said of Wayne Gretzky, you miss all the shots you don't take. So at that point in the match you might as well just go for it.
0: Yeah. yeah, I I think it's an easier thing to pull off is the shot, but I think Allison is positioned well enough that Yeah. It's not likely that he scores. So like so like the shot is easier and probably the the better thing to do, but I think trying to get it back across to Kane has the better chance of actually leading to a goal and you know it's it's more frustrating for us because we're like ah just shoot um, but if he pulls it off in the same way that Sessegnon was able to pull off the pass to Son then he, it looks amazing and we come away 2-1 winners as opposed to like because I, mean, I, I think if you're a Hoybeer in that situation you're damned if you do damned if you don't like yeah. if he hits if he shoots if he puts it on goal and it goes right to Allison, or it's a fairly easy save, we all go, Kane was right there, just pass. Like, how hard could that be? And then, you know, so then he tries to do that and it's slightly behind Kane, and you're like, uh, what the fuck? So, yeah, it, it's a tough situation to be in, especially when you're Hoybeard and you're, like, technically not as proficient as some of. Them. The other players. It's also the 94th minute midfielder for that to fall to, like
2: maybe that's great. It's also the 94th minute of a match you've been running your ass off in, so it's exactly,
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, I think Playbeer's inclination is is probably normally right that like you should find Harry Kane, he's the shooter, you're not, make that happen. And I agree that had he shot it and it went tamely into Allison's hands, we would have been pissed in a different way. But, you know, I think the, the odds of Allison catching that header and not just, like, deflecting it back into play are, you know, it, it, it creates chaos, it creates another opportunity. It's just, I think I think we can say comfortably with hindsight, shooting was the right decision, even if we may have reacted just as poorly <laughs> to a bad shot as we would have to a bad attempted pass. Because it's like, sure. it's that late in the game. You just want to one more
0: chance on on goal. It's just funny because it's just like Hoybjerg has that moment earlier in the game where things really kind of open up for him and he gets away a shot where, and I think we were all kind of talking about this in our run during the game is like we were all going "Oh, uh, okay, sure because, you know, he he gets off a good shot hits the post and almost almost puts in the lead And, and yeah, we, I just wish sometimes that we weren't playing like as such a solid midfield. Like that, that we had like one player that was like working between the lines and shuttling back and forth and had like a little bit of goal scoring prowess. Like, you know, not necessarily someone like, I don't know, Malinkovic Savage, who is more of an attacking midfield uh, than like an eight, but like, I don't know, somebody that I thought could score a goal in that position. Well, that might be something
2: we do next year. But I, mean, I remember when, when he lets go of that shot, My first, as soon as he hit it, I was like, what the hell is he doing? And, <laughs> you know, it bounces off the post and almost goes in the net. So, I don't know, what do I know? But
1: Yeah, I mean, like, he picked a really, like, he saw the shot and he took it well. It's just unfortunate it didn't go in. It's probably not the right choice. And I, don't, I do wonder if... Missing that chance made him think I should look for the passing option next time, uh, but yeah, it is frustrating that in a game like this where we create so few opportunities by nature of you know the kind of counterattack and, and the way the tactics set out is whenever those chances don't fall to Kane or Son, you know, <laughs> it's like we don't have a lot of shooters in the team, and sometimes those chances develop in a way where. Benkor or Hoybjerg or Sassenyon are taking those shots, and you're like, "Oh, if only." What are you gonna do? End of the day, we kicked their ass pretty pretty well. Like not as well as the first game where we like clearly deserved three points, but the breaks that denied us three points, I think were were very much hard in our favor and not not theirs.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, look, we can take. You know, some encouragement from the fact that this year we took six points off City. We drew Liverpool twice. Um, you know, if only we could figure out how to play against the shitty teams, you know, we'd be in we'd be in such a much better position. Um, and you know, putting aside that Nuno got one of those victories against City. Um, I am encouraged by the fact that Conte has taken this, what is obviously a very flawed team, and taken it to the position where these results are possible. Um, and not just possible, like, they don't look like we fluked our way into them. Um, I think we talked about it after. Like, this that City game wasn't one of those ones where it felt, you know, we'd gotten lucky and VAR had saved our ass and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, these are two good performances against Liverpool. Uh, this one against the the one against City under Conte was a good performance. We've looked good in most of our matches against big teams that aren't Chelsea. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think we're, you know, we're, we're very clearly moving forward in a way that looks sustainable and should give us a lot of hope for the next season. I mean, that's Conte a, stays.
2: That's the thing. You look at Spurs, and you play the big teams like Liverpool and City, and, you know, you're, and, uh, I guess maybe not Chelsea, but you look at those teams, and, you know, there's a lot to take out of those games. And then you look at, like, you know, the bottom feeders that we just drop points against, like Southampton, Burnley, uh, Brighton, Manchester United... You know, these, these just, you know, total useless teams that can't string together and attack until they play us, it's it's frustrating to watch, but like you said, Brian, I think that's the thing that gives me a lot of hope, is like, you look at that City win under Nuno, and that is absolutely, like, getting out by the skinnier teeth, and not really, do, like, you just got lucky, you, I mean, you were under siege the entire match, and, you know, you, you happened to get away with one. This was much more, I think, yeah, I mean, yes, we were sort of coming from underneath, to use the wrestling term, but... You know, we were, the un, you know we, we were the, I don't want to say, lesser of two teams. We created fewer chances, it felt like, in this match and the City match. But, like, you know, I think considering, especially the context, we were more than their equals in these games and played them very hard and very tough. And I think, you know, again, that's why I just, I just want Conte to be here next year. Because you look at where this team is that he took over in the middle of the year. And God, they're so good. And you know they're they're capable of being so good, and you just think like give them a preseason, give them a summer transfer window, you know. Got like oh man, I'm just I'm, I'm just excited about where this team could be because as frustrating as it is to watch us like piss away against Brighton or uh, or whoever, you know, you look at what we could do against this Liverpool team, and I don't think there's many teams in the world, many teams in the world that could reasonably expect a better performance against Liverpool than we just saw.
1: notwithstanding our previously better performance against Liverpool.
2: Well, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, how many teams are there in the world who would play like that against Liverpool and be, like, you know, not happy about it? I mean, you know, probably less than five. But I mean, there's not a lot.
0: Well, that's one of the reasons why I find Klopp comments after the game, which he's since walked back slightly. Um, that's he's a coward, word. and once everyone starts yelling at him, he runs away from it, because all he wants, he
2: wants to be liked more than he wants to be right, but yeah.
0: I mean, I find them galling because, like, the reason he has that complaint after this match is because we were able to do have it work. You know, when Burnley come there, when Newcastle come there, when whoever... else come there and stick 10 men behind the ball and liverpool still opens them up and wins games four nil they don't have any complaints but when we do it and have success and wind up getting a result of course he's gonna find our tactics to be objectionable and of course he's gonna find it to be like Thai football or whatever like you know well, everyone bitches and
2: moans when teams don't just roll over for Liverpool, you know, when they don't just have a victory parade, and we can all talk about like we can all talk about his pearly whites or whatever, and that's the only thing we can discuss in the aftermath of the game. It's just it's so infuriating. I mean, for, there is an argument I think like defensive football is just as valid as whatever Liverpool and City do, especially. More valid in a lot of cases because these teams don't have the resources of them, but I don't think that's what Spurs did on the day. I mean, they played defensively, but you know, if you look at how Spurs played and don't think that there was like real talent at work there and real like gamesmanship going on, yeah, like I don't know what to say to you. Like Spurs, I mean, saying like okay, Spurs screwed up a lot in their transfer windows and and could do a lot in better team management. I don't think having to play Liverpool like that. Is an you know that that's like that's reasonable like because we don't have even if we nailed every one of our transfers you might not have the resources to take on a team as good as Liverpool like that like like City does you I mean we can't play them in the way City does because you know we're just not that good and that's not necessarily an indictment of like our squad building or our team you know it's just like we 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 don't have the, the squad to go full full-metal attack against, you know, one of the two best teams in the world. I don't think that's, you know, crazy.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you know, look at what Liverpool's able to bring on off the bench to change things up and bring on that, uh, Diego Jota. Um, you know, they could have brought on Origi or Curtis Jones or James Milner, and, like, we brought on Harry Winks and Davinson Sanchez – like the, these teams aren't in the same place. Like I, you know, like like we have thirteen players that our manager can depend on, and you have to play a certain way to utilize, you know, those guys. Well, and, and, and
2: this this isn't fair, but Klopp's not being fair, so who cares? But like, compare the goal Liverpool Liverpool scored. To the goal that we scored. And like, you know, which is the goal that feels like the the, the more technically accomplished team was going to put away? It's just...
1: Yeah. He's it's such just a... Put, oh, there's his bullshit. He's yeah. just such a... He's such
2: a fucking crybaby. And the fact that he doesn't get tied with this drives also, me out of my mind. He does this every time something doesn't go his way.
1: It's also just a fucking lie. Like, Liverpool have absolutely played, like, counter-attacking football. Like, especially early on in Klopp's tenure, and plop it at Dortmund against big teams. Like, you're telling me that they never tried to keep things tight and, like, take their chances on the break? Like, give me a fucking break. Like, that's that's just nonsense, you know? it's. I mean, it's the same shit you get from Jose or from Ferguson or Banger or anybody. Anytime they lose, it's just like, the other team didn't play football right and that's the only reason we didn't win. And because you weren't on our same, like, high-minded plane. And, like, all those guys play very different football. And, you know, Jose especially is, like, the closest thing to the way we play now. And, like, he would say shit like that all the time, you know, condemning the other team for refusing to play. And, like, he is he is the, you know, meme origin of parking the bus. So, like, all these guys can, like, go fucking take a walk. It's
0: nonsense. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, like, you know, like you mentioned – Sir Alex Ferguson, who was also very good for this stuff, like, Fergie's United teams were built on speedy counterattacks, like yes, were they more talented than a lot of these teams and did they play a little bit of possession? Yeah but they weren't like a tiki-taka Barcelona team, they were uh get it to the good guys, run up the field kick it to the striker, and score bowl. like that, I mean, they weren't they weren't high pressing in any sense of the word um so you know, look, I, I'm I'm really happy with you know the Conte plan and the system and the way it's working out. Um, and it, it, it you know, Klopp in his post match comments is kind of tarring us with the same brush that we got hit with under Mourinho. And this stuff does not feel like Mourinho. No, fault. not like, even Like this doesn't. You know, this isn't like okay Kane and son attack and maybe that works for us this is like there's there's a method to the madness and and the method is is very clear in watching the patterns in the build up play watching how we move the ball back to front watching what we do how we win the ball back what the pressing triggers are you can see all of that in a way that you couldn't see that under prior managers and i like it it's great. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, I don't feel like we're just trying not to lose. I don't feel like we're just, you know part of the bus and, you know, holding on by the skin of our teeth. I mean, this game was struck, don't get me wrong. Like and I felt like at the end of the game, like I had played ninety minutes. Like it was very anxiety provoking. But we were good. And it wasn't like it was it it wasn't because playing a bunch of attacks and Liverpool were just dominating us that I was, you know, exhausted by it. It was just like the game was had such uh, importance for the rest of the season that you were just like, uh, come on, guys. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I like this version of Spurs much better than I've liked previous defensive iterations.
1: I mean, I think you can just tell like, from the the course of the match, we didn't score a goal and then shut up, shop and hope. Hook- to God, that they didn't come back and, and, and get an, an equalizer. Like, we kept playing our game the whole match, you know? And. Well, that was had, that goal. I mean, for scoring a goal, playing defense, and then hitting and hoping we might sneak something else, you know, to to see the game out. But, like, That's not what happened here. I mean, Liverpool put us under
2: significant pressure for lots of the match, and there were definitely times where it really did feel like we were holding on by the skin of our teeth. But that goal that we scored, like you said, Ben, that was at the very beginning of, like, I don't know, five, ten minutes of really sustained pressure from Spurs. I mean, like you said, we didn't just, like, okay, 70th minute, we scored, like, time to, like, pack it in for a while. Like, you know, we kept going for it. We probably should have scored another goal, to be honest with you. It's just God. This team's with well, this team's flying. They're just so good. I, I just really want to see this after a summer of pre after a preseason and a transfer window and you know several muscle injuries to Erling Holland. You know, I just I just want to see it next year because it's very exciting to watch.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to dream on. I think you know we know we have weaknesses in our squad, and even with those weaknesses, we have played the best teams as well as anybody in the world this season. Maybe not Real Madrid. <laughs> Maybe not, not Chelsea. But yeah. <laughs> they've been the masters of doing fucking nonsense to good teams this season. But you know, we can certainly hold our head up high. It's not. It's it's, it's. it's not like we don't look like we deserve to be fighting for something at the top of the table. We just aren't doing it consistently enough because we aren't quite good enough, squad wise. And that's something we can fix.
2: I mean, lest we forget, and we're going to talk about this team in a second, Arsenal played Liverpool a few – they were riding high a couple – like two months ago. I can't remember when it was. I mean, they got swatted aside. I mean, Liverpool had no trouble coping with them. And we did a much better job. I, you know, I mean, we took a point. We probably should have taken three. I mean, just stellar performance from everyone all around. Like, I mean, no complaints except Harry Winks, but we really don't need to get into that, so – Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, the one thing, the one other thing that sort of got my goat was everyone sort of like sucking Luis D- Diaz's dick uh, after he scored that goal, and it was just very like, I don't know, maybe because I think just Kuliszewski is such a better buy, but like that was such a like I I don't know, like I did not think Diaz was particularly good in this match, and I did not think that goal was a particularly, like, I don't think he had much to do with it, and it was very like, having to listen yeah. to it was very frustrating to me.
1: I think Diaz definitely showed some sauce and, like, you know, had some skills and some techers and, like, he wasn't bad by any means. He showed, like, why he was a really good player. And he, of course, scored the equalizer because it was never going to be anybody else other than the guy we didn't buy. But, and you're right, it was a nonsense goal. It was not, like, a testament to the quality we're missing out on. It was just some Is
2: is it just me or do Diaz and Tiago look like they're, like, Seventy, going on ninety, like they look so old.
1: I think Tiago.
2: I mean, Tiago looks old, but he he is older. I feel like he was like sixteen when Bayern bought him, and now he looks like he's fifty.
1: Yeah, that was twenty years ago. Oh, God.
0: And all those steroids will really
2: do a number on you. I mean, honestly. that is what I'm actually thinking. God knows, like Pep had him on crystal meth at Bayern or whatever, but.
1: I mean he's so fragile he's been shot up with every drug known to man to try and just get him on the pitch, so it takes the
2: They gave a they gave a horse heroin, then had the horse give birth, and then they gave him that horse's placenta <laughs> Right. I mean
0: he's thirty one for the record, so you know. He he looks like he's fifty. I mean, I mean old, he just
1: been alive, thirty one, <laughs> my
0: god. <laughs> he's so old. Uh, yeah, but you know, like of course Lewis, Lewis was going to score, like, after we talked about it on the podcast last week, and, you know, we did it to ourselves, honestly, um, you know, I, I still think he's a he's a good signing for them, like, I don't I think he's a bad mind, signing for them, it was just, I wouldn't have minded having him, I was, really like Kulisevsky, but I think, it was just cool like to listening have, to yes, all dude. the discussion about him being
2: such a difference maker, when he, like, took like a garbage shot from outside the box that bounced off someone's foot and went in the net, it's just, I, it's, it's totally fine. It happens. I get it. It was just very annoying to listen to in that moment.
0: Yeah. No. I don't know. So, um, so
2: speaking about things that stress us out, let's talk about uh, this match coming up on Thursday. Spurs play Arsenal, and I think you could tell what a poorly run league uh, the Premier League is because if they had, if they were. Any sort of real sports league. They would have fixed this game like the NBA would have under David Stern and had Leeds beat Arsenal. So this was the game that settled top four. But instead, they're trying to convince us that City-Liverpool is like a real rivalry that anyone cares about. So, I don't know. It's very nerve-wracking. And I don't know what's more nerve-wracking, the fact that so much is riding on this game or the fact that we could beat them handily and... miss out of the Champions League to them. I, I don't know which I find more stressful. But it's it's certainly the most... Like, I don't know. Ever since Pochettino got to Spurs... Like, it's certainly after the, that Newcastle... that The year we lost to Newcastle in the season. Arsenal Spurs hasn't really had the kind of juice that it used to have in the early 2010s. At least for me. I don't... I mean... I don't know if you guys agree with that. I mean, Ben certainly it plays an important dynamic in your marriage, so maybe maybe I'm totally off-base about this. But, I mean, this is the most juice I feel like this game has had in a long, long time.
1: I mean, the reality is it has been lopsided. You know, we have been well on top, and then when we weren't well on top, we were both kind of terrible, so we weren't actually competing for anything in the last couple seasons. And this is the first time we're actually, like, rivals in the table and not just in history. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot going on. And, you know, we've seen Arsenal play a series of matches where everybody they've come up against has just completely rolled over for them to make this interesting. So in that respect, I think, you know, the league has certainly conspired to make this interesting, but I hate it. I don't want this to be consequential. I want Arsenal to be terrible and for to be well, good. Well, it just stinks when it, it seemed like
2: Arsenal just seeded all the momentum to us and we just handed it right back to them. It's so, it's so aggravating. And that's another thing that makes it like we had Liverpool on the ropes and we just didn't you know, because then we would have at least controlled our own destiny. You know, you beat Arsenal, you win out, it doesn't matter, but
1: It's like watching a penalty shootout and you see the first team miss and you're like, okay, we've got this. And then Second team misses and you're like, there's no way they're coming back from that. They handed it back to the other team (laughs) and then they blow it. Yeah,
0: I mean, the 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 frustrating thing is that there's nothing we can like of our control now. Like, we we have to beat Arsenal and then Arsenal still has to drop points. I mean, we have to win, so like
2: that's in our control. We have to win this game. I mean, I guess we have to draw, but like we really need to win this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, we need some sort of non-loss result. And even then, it may not be enough. And that's annoying.
1: I mean, we need to win. We just need to win. Yeah. Like, there are four points ahead of us. I mean, on
2: paper, I feel like we're the better team. It just feels like Arsenal have been scrounging out results. And I, I probably have a level of disrespect for Arteta as a manager, which doesn't align with reality anymore. Uh it just feels like and there's probably something to be said for this. It feels like he's just going back to that like early 2010s Venger thing where you know, he's just grinding out the results he needs and it's, you know, it doesn't feel particularly convincing or deserved, but he's doing it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know. They're doing it without some of their Good players who've been injured lately. Like, they don't have Tyranny, who's been good for them. They don't have, um, I don't know. Party, yeah. They haven't had, um, you know, much in the way of strikers. And Ketia played well against Leeds, I guess. But I don't know, man. I just, like, like you said, Greg, like, if you just look at everything on paper, like, better than them. And they're still going to find a way to kick our ass, I'm sure.
1: I mean, look, they played Chelsea, who rotated after a fucking cup game against Crystal Palace, like, instead of prioritizing the league match against Arsenal, which is fucking annoying. They played Man U when they were in free fall, and not the Man U who somehow managed to kick our ass. They played West Ham, who were rotating for Europa League. And then they played Leeds, who are... Got a red card in the first half to just like hand them a match, and it's just, yeah. you know, like that was their tough switch this finale, and everybody just rolled over to let to let it happen, and it sucks because they don't necessarily, I think, on on quality to deserve to be here, but there they are, and like it sucks to watch them control their destiny, and I have to hope for the someone like Newcastle or Everton do us a favor.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're playing a back four that consists of Rob Holding, Gabrielle, and Cedric. And no one is punishing them for that. Like, uh, you know, Tommy good. He's been really good for them. But, like, those other three guys are clowns. And no one has made them pay for that. And they're playing a midfield of Xhaka and El Elneny. And that's somehow working for them. And it's, it's very frustrating.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really six in my craw is, like, they lost, they lost key guys. And, like, El Nene, who has not played most of the season, they just, like, dusted him off in the broom closet and threw him on the pitch and, like, has been a creditable defensive midfielder for them. And Kedia, who's a championship striker at best, stepped in when Lacazette got hurt and is scoring goals and it's just like you know if we suffer these same injuries and like had to put on like Harry Winks would not like show up and suddenly like get us over the line it just wouldn't happen us. yeah it's like extra annoying to see them manage to do this while their squad is injury hit and creaking and it's not slowing them down the way it fucking absolutely should well, that's what
2: they, they. Those injuries happened when they were. When they had those two really bad results in a row, and it really felt like Arsenal was about to start to spiral. And, you know, it's probably to Arteta's credit that he arrested that spiral. He, you know, they never really fell apart in the way that they, you know, we all thought they would. Now, like you said, Ben, that, you know, they had a real tough stretch, and those teams kind of did their best to oblige Arsenal. But it's just, it's frustrating. It's, it's. It's really frustrating because you just want to see them fall apart.
1: I mean, I really think, like, the best best result here is we beat Arsenal, we go to the final day of the season, and an already relegated Everton is playing Arsenal, who you have no hope whatsoever they're actually going to do the job. You know, while we whip the shit out of Norwich... And then Delhi Alley comes on like the seventieth minute and scores the winner and sends us in the Champions League. I mean, that would be great. That's like you know, I feel like so much of Spurs fandom is like watching narrative conspire against us. It would be nice for narrative to like work in our favor. Like, you know, we once lost five one to Newcastle, who are already relegated in the last day of the season to deprive us of our our just desserts and to see that happen to Arsenal It's just like give give us that universe like we need that how
2: how do you feel about this game going into it like I mean I I can't divorce myself from the narrative because I think on paper we're the better team I think we're playing better right now I think we have better players which is to say Arsenal doesn't have a chance but I just think on paper we're the better team but from a narrative perspective I just have no faith in our ability to win this game
0: I uh, yeah, I think that's kinda of where I'm at.
2: Uh, I I wanna say no faith. I have no expectations of us winning this match.
1: I don't agree. I think had we beaten Liverpool, I would be way more nervous about Arsenal. But now that we can beat Arsenal and it's still not over it makes me think we're gonna beat Arsenal and just draw out the pain for like another two weeks. That like if we lose to Arsenal, it's like season over. Like we're not getting a favor from Newcastle and Everton. No, I think they automatically qualify
2: for the Champions League
1: if we, I think. Yeah, we're right. We're four points back. So that's, yeah. all, that's all game. Um, well, isn't that true? Do we have? Yeah, we have the same number of games. You're right. So there's, yeah. I, I don't think we're going to lose to Arsenal just because I think the season wants to torment me longer we're not going to have two dead rubbers. That feels narratively unlikely.
2: Well, and it's just again, I hope we don't lose sight of because I think the last we talked about this last week. We had a long discussion about this last week. The last 2 years, 3 years have been such a roller coaster that I think it's been kind of hard to not fully appreciate how far Spurs have come under Conte and you know, I understand part of the roller coaster now is Conte keeps threatening to leave. I'm a little less worried about that, given all the signals coming out of Tottenham that we're going to spend a lot of money in the last week. But you know, even if we finish fifth this year, it's like God, we've really playing a lot better. We're really set up for if we can keep Conte around, which we should. You know, we're really set up for success next year, and I just like don't want us to I, and I need to remind myself that's this. I don't want us all to spiral if things go wrong. As much as it'll as much as it'll hurt, as much as it'll suck. You know, there's still a lot of foundation to build on here.
1: Yeah, I think the Champions League is gonna be nice to just A be in the Champions League and B I think it makes recruitment a little easier. Honestly, I think the
2: second one's a little more important, but
1: yeah. I, I think the fact is is we're going to spend for Conte. As long as and, and the words we're hearing is the Champions League is not going to be a deal-breaker for him staying. And I think that, that's really it. As long as he stays, we've got another season with the squad that we have, the squad we, we're capable of building if we commit funds to the project. Next season's going to be great. Yeah, and also, I mean, on top
2: of that, like, I, regardless of what you think we should do with it, I mean... I think this, if, if this Holland signing to City is true, I have a hard time seeing Kane leaving. I mean, United is not better than us in the short term, so I mean, you know, I think we're gonna have Kane next year. So, you know, we want to run it back. I think we can run it back. It's just, you know, I hope we, I hope we stay excited about it. Don't let this be. I mean, as much as it'll suck, because it will. If we if we don't if we lose to Arsenal or we don't overtake them, it will suck. But. You know, at least we don't have our whole t- our, our, our our whole identity as a team is not wrapped up in beating another, is beating Arsenal, unlike them, so, you know.
0: Yeah. They become, uh, I mean,
2: they become North, they become North Ham, so.
0: And, you know, look, from where we were at the beginning of the season and how we all felt, like, in November, to even at this point where we can be disappointed to miss out on the top four feels like an accomplishment and like you know we're here now obviously so to end up in fifth in the Europa League will suck but like taking a holistic look at what the season has been and and what the have been like since August we've had a pretty good season It's certainly been been better than we thought
1: it was going to (laughs) be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the strides under Conte have just been astronomical, and you're right. We started the season in such a hole, and, like, yes, you can, like, tear your hair out thinking about what could have been if we didn't hire Nuno, if we had a real manager in the first place, if we done what we needed to do to get Conte over the summer, whatever. But the fact is, is we were dead and buried before he got here, and now we're in contention the Champions League and yeah you gotta be happy about that even
2: if we miss yeah so let's not focus That's on that grief <laughs> let's not let's not focus on that we have a few questions from our listeners uh, Unfit for Purpose was to know we played the second best team in the world dead even why should I feel bad about this um, I think we just talked why you should feel bad about this because now a lot now we don't have control of our destiny and Arsenal can uh, really make our lives unpleasant even if we beat them Unless you guys have other negativity you want to bring to this conversation.
1: No, I mean, it sucks to play a game like that and not feel like it matters.
2: Hey, but, like, you know, if you're down about that, we just ruin Jurgen Klopp's, like, title ho- hopes, probably. So, like, you know. You
1: yeah. should always feel good about that. You should we, always
2: we, feel good about well, that.
1: We beat Man City and teased Liverpool. They had the opportunity to win the title, and then we took that away from them and that is something.
2: It really is incredible. Um, 50 million fan Rob wants to know um, and we probably should have talked about this a little bit Will Sun catch Salah and win his first golden boot? What's your, Brian, what do you think if you had to put money on it right now?
0: Nah, I don't, I don't think so. I just think um, Salah's probably going to get more opportunities and he takes penalties. You know what I think hurts it? is
2: if we were in top four and Arsenal was a little bit out of sight, like if we were in the position Arsenal's in where a win on Thursday could seal Champions League, I think Sun would be more likely to do it because I think at that point, Kane might give him penalties. I don't think Kane's going to give him penalties while that's a possibility.
0: Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I mean, I think the only way that he would give one up is...
2: If, if the on the last day yeah. of
0: the season, and it's like the 80th minute, and they kn- we know that as a team, like he just we're already winning, and so it doesn't matter, and all that Sun needs to be the one to put him over the top for the golden boot, like maybe Kane does it then, and even then, I still have questions about whether he'd actually do it. I mean, we played, um, we do play Norwich. Uh, Norwich is our last game.
1: Yeah, we have Norwich and Burnley. Like, I think I think Sun could do it. Like, Liverpool have Aston Villa at Aston Villa next. And, like, Steven Gerrard probably will want to win that game and not, not want to just – if Liverpool were still in for a shot at the title, like, I could maybe see them rolling over. But – They might like, rest I him. I mean – Now I feel like they might try. So they have Aston Villa, then Southampton and Wolves, which are, like – Those are all very Jekyll and Hyde teams who could make life difficult for Liverpool and could just as easily get battered 6-0. But, like, we have Burnley and Norwich who, you know, Sun could really hang some goals. Especially Norwich,
2: because they're definitely going to be checked out. I mean...
1: Yeah, they're done. Uh, I
0: mean, Sala could hang a ton of them on Southampton. They're good for, like, a 9-0 every once in a while.
1: Yeah, it's possible. And, like, Wolves kind of suck. But both those teams don't suck often enough that I think there's still hope for Sonny and cool. I, I, would, I I would love it if he gets it Yeah,
2: it would be great especially because Salah is getting lots of penalties and Son's not Son's honest um, but yeah I, I I could honestly see Man, we, we, we don't have to like sacrifice our attempts to beat Arsenal if we just like you know especially against Norwich it's just like if we just go into that game and it's like everybody funnel at the Sun today you know like He's going to score as many goals as he can. And, you know, Salah could be on the bench for the Champions League final. I mean, it doesn't mean a lot. I'd rather finish top four than have Son win the Golden Boot. But, you know, por qué no dos? Like, why not both? So, um, bu- 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 uh, Anonymous Troll wants to know why everyone's talking about replacing Dyer and replacing Davies, given how good they are. Shouldn't we be trying to get backups for them? I think... I think it's fair to say that fans are maybe a little too quick to dismiss them. I, I, I would say the reason is both of those guys are older, especially Davies' case, and have not been consistently good before this season. So I, I think there's a sense that you don't want to count on them. I mean, that, or at least that's where I'm coming from. I don't know. Ben, do you have a different perspective on this?
1: Yeah, I think whenever you're signing a player who is not replacing a star player, you should always be trying to sign a better player than the guy you have, and let those guys be a backup. Like, why would you ever sign a guy to be a second string player? You're trying, like, the needle you're threading there is a guy who is happy to sit on the bench, who's good enough to maybe possibly overtake your starter. Like, it's just, it's just not a really workable kind of signing. You see that with like a, a Joe Roden. It's just doesn't work. Guy doesn't play, and he never gets the opportunity to get better. You sign a guy who is Christian Romero. Kulashevsky and Bentoncourt, you put them in the team and you make the other guy fight for his place and and take it back. And, you know, Eric Dyer and Ben Davis have been here long enough and have been backups long enough that they know what it's like to fight for their spot in this squad. They are, Ben Davis especially seems happy to do it. You know, I think as good as they've been, those are the places you can upgrade. You can't upgrade on Kane and Son and Kulashevsky and Romero you know, it's it's a weak link sport. Even if your weak link is really good, you want to sign guys better than them and go from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I am not in as much of a hurry to replace Dyer as I am Davies. And that's not, that's, that's not a comment on uh, Davies' performances. I think he's been really solid. But I just think you can do better with that left center back spot. Um, especially when you look at, you know, this team has some weaknesses in defending set pieces. So, all right, now we need, you get a left center back who is better in the air, who's bigger, more physically imposing, um, that sort of thing. Um, You know, you get a a left back or or a left center back that's maybe more adventurous in the attack or is, you know, more aggressive or or, or whatever the case may be. I think he's the... uh, that's pretty easily improved on in conjunction with the midfield and the, and the wingbacks I don't really have any complaints about the way he's played I think, you know I, I don't know finding two really good center backs I think is hard and also very expensive and so you just have to figure out how one reasonably expensive center back fits into your current back three plus probably Davinson Sanchez like, and, and make that work. Um, and I am I think Dyer's been tough in the last six months that he doesn't really warrant replacing at this point.
2: For for what it's worth, I don't think we're going to replace Dyer. Um, partly, I think, because Dyer's a little younger than I think we all think he is, because he's been here for so long. I also think that we're a little more down on Dyer because he just had that really weird injury period for, like, I feel like it was like a year and a half where he something was just, I think he had... It was, um, he had an appendectomy, right? Um, And he just didn't recover for a really long time. But I I think, like you said, Brian, there's limited resources. And I just think it seems like left center back is where we're going to upgrade. And I think that makes a lot of sense considering that Davies has been kind of jury rigged in that position. And he's an older player. And I think he was like, I think we all wanted him out of this team. By any means necessary at the beginning of the year, even more so than Dyer, and you know he's been really great. And I think one of the nice things about signing a left center back is, like we've all talked about, the issues Conte's having with rotation. I actually believe he'll use Ben Davies as a ro- in rotation as a, as a substitute when we need help on the back line, and I feel much better about it than I do about say David Sanchez coming into a game.
1: Uh, Brian, you're muted. Sorry, buddy. Damn it. <laughs> so close.
0: We we're almost at the end. We we're almost at the end. Uh, I was saying like he'll play Davis as a as a defensive wing back late in games when you're holding on or you know you'll you, you you can sub him in and you know go to a back four like or if like, someone gets hurt. Yeah, like like
1: he'll have a lot of games. Like he'll play Europa League, he'll play Champions League, like he'll We've got rotation.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, Conte I mean, actually I mean, trust him. Yeah, I think that's the thing is, is you know, these players and Conte need to come to an understanding about, like, you know, right now we're working on limited squad and limited resources, but, like, if I sign five or six guys in the summer, or more realistically, like, four in the summer, um, you know, everybody's still going to play. And and I think players like Davis, players like Cessignon, Romero, Doherty, like, they have to understand that. Uh, same thing with like Skip and Hoybeard. Like, there's going to be new new faces in here, but like we're going to play if, if you know all goes to Conte's plan, we're going to play 60 games next year. So there's plenty of matches.
2: Well, on that note, it's time to wrap it up and uh, you know start trying to cope in advance with the Arsenal match. Um, I'll talk to you guys after that. We'll see what our podcasting plans are. I guess depending on how that goes. Uh, Brian.
1: Yeah, we Thursday. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y.
2: Ben, where can people find you on the internet before and after you are kicked out of your house on Thursday? I'm
1: on Twitter at Comrade Newspers.
2: And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. You can also find our podcast at WDR Podcast. That's WDR, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Uh, Yeah, for Ben, for Brian, of course, for Brett Rainbow, I have been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.